Building Faith Podcast from Chris Reese Ministries is a podcast to bring biblically-based messages and in-depth conversations to help you live your faith every day. For more tools, tips, and teachings, check out our Life Church community by going to lifechurch.com, L-Y-F-E hyphen church.com. Well, hey, my friend, welcome back to another edition of the Building Faith Podcast. I am so thrilled to be here with you today. I am your host, Chris Reese, and it is my mission, as always, to help you live your faith every day. Today, we are in episode 130, and we're answering the question, what does God want you to do with your life? Have you ever wondered, what does God want me to do with my life? Perhaps you find yourself at a crossroads, and you don't know which way to turn. Maybe you're tired of living life your way and you're ready to follow God's purpose for your life. Well, in today's episode, we are going to answer the question, what does God want me to do with my life? You see, God created you on purpose for purpose. He has intentionality in all he does. He created the universe for a purpose and the same is true for you. And I think we can all agree that the disciples of Jesus served a mighty purpose. But I truly wonder if Peter knew the impact of his purpose that it would leave on this world. I mean, after all, he struggled with some of the same questions that we struggle with today. In fact, I'll show you. Join with me in John 21, starting in verse 15. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. And a third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked this question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Verse 18, I tell you the truth. When you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. Then Jesus told him, follow me. So this took place after the resurrection of Jesus. He found Peter and the men fishing and catching nothing. He instructed them to cast their nets on the other side. And when they did, they had more fish than they could handle. And as they pulled in the fish, Jesus was getting breakfast started. So... Here, Jesus was performing yet another miracle, and he turns to Peter, and he gives him his marching orders. His purpose? To feed and shepherd the flock. My friend, how would you like to have Jesus come down, turn to you, and give you specific instructions on what your purpose is? I know I would, but may I be honest? Despite how much confirmation I've received over my life purpose— I still feel the tug of doubt in my heart sometimes when things aren't going the way I expected them to. And here's what Peter did. Instead of jumping up with enthusiasm at the request of his Lord, he now questions what Jesus is going to do in the life of someone else. Let's jump on over to verse 20. Peter turned around and saw behind them the disciple Jesus loved 
the one who had leaned over to Jesus during supper and asked, Lord, who will betray you? Peter asked Jesus, what about him, Lord? Jesus replied, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. You see, Peter made two critical mistakes here. One, he turned his focus away from Jesus. And two, he turned it toward someone else. He was more concerned with what was going to happen with John. And isn't that what we do? We spend our time looking at others, concerned with inequality, struggling with envy, and as a result, we miss our God-given purpose, and we wonder why God isn't moving in our lives like he is in the lives of others. We wonder if we even have a calling. Well, my friend, I'm here to tell you today that you do. God has a unique calling on your life, but it will likely not look like your sisters or your neighbors or your favorite frenemy. It is unique to you. So today, we are going to talk to you, specifically you, no one else. The Lord is instructing you right now. Are you ready? Are you ready to discover what God wants you to do with your life? Well, there are four mandates that God wants you to fulfill. Mandate number one, abide in him. God wants you to be connected with him at all times. Earlier in the Gospel of John, Jesus reminds us, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. God wants your life to glorify him. And to do that, you must stay connected at all the times. Number two, spread the gospel and the good news. Matthew 28, 19 commands us to go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Do you remember what your life was like before Christ? That's what it's like for millions of lost people out there. And while, yes, coming to Christ helps improve life this side of eternity, our time on earth pales in comparison to the amount of time we're going to spend in eternity. Our goal is to go to heaven, yes, but our purpose should be to take as many people with us as possible. Number three, love God and love others. Jesus made this abundantly clear in Mark 12, verses 30 and 31. And it reads, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. And mandate number four is to find your unique calling. And this is where I want to camp out for just a few minutes. We are going to dive deep and ask five questions that will help you to find your calling. But I must remind you that without steps one, two, and three, you will likely still remain unfulfilled and frustrated. We put top priority on this step, but God puts top priority on the other steps. You see, finding our unique calling requires a journey. And Jesus will not likely sit by the campfire with you and hand you the memo telling you what your purpose is. Let's face it, even if he did, we'd probably mess it up. At least I know I would. Instead, he wants to take us on a journey, a journey of discovery. So if you're ready, we're going to dive in. Question number one, 
What are my drivers? What drives you? Others may say, what is your passion? You see, passion is expressed in many emotions, happiness, sadness, indignation, anger, just to name a few. So I want to encourage you to take a moment to reflect upon what stirs your emotions in a powerful way. What drives the core of who you are? Do you get infuriated at the, injustice, at the injustice of others? Do you spend all of your free time inventing things? Do you wish you could do more to help with animals? My friend, your drivers were given to you by God and meant to be driven. Why would God give you a passion for something only to allow it to lie dormant? Why would you be gifted with a car and not be allowed to drive it? Your passions are meant to be put to purpose. I do have many passions in my life, and we'll talk in a few minutes about which ones you are to actually act on. But one of my passions is preaching. You see, I realize that Jesus drove my life. I wanted to think like him, talk like him, act like him, and just always be with him. And it would frustrate me when I would see people struggling with life issues that I knew Jesus could fix. Just like that. With a simple mind shift, a refocus, a surrender, and a desire to follow him. And that's when I realized I couldn't shut up about Jesus. If you were struggling, I was going to give you a way out, whether you liked it or not. And it always involved Jesus. Now, of course, I've learned to lasso that passion. What good is a wild horse if you can't stay on it? And I've learned what I needed in order to turn that passion into purpose. And so can you. What drives you, my friend? Life is more than just making ends meet. It's more than the day-to-day struggles that will be here today and gone tomorrow. It's more than just what makes you happy. It's what makes you, you. Question number one, what are my drivers? Question number two, where's my discontent? See, discontent is similar to drivers, but in reverse, no pun intended. It's those areas where you will feel unsettled and unfulfilled. And oftentimes, this is the Holy Spirit nudging you towards something greater. And I'm not referring to a selfish discontent that longs for the next pair of shoes or more material possessions. I'm talking about a discontent that drives you to want to change something. Many years ago, I was in the fitness industry and my job was to oversee personal training teams. And I loved what I did. So I didn't understand why I was so unhappy. And after a little soul searching, I came to realize that I was discontent with where and how I was doing it. You see, I worked for this big gym at the time and members were just another number, another source of guaranteed revenue for the month. And I felt like something was missing. And no matter what I did, I couldn't create what I wanted in that environment. So my discontent led me to start my own business. I started a personal training studio where I could deliver what I knew my clients and my trainers needed. So don't always beat yourself up over a discontent. It could be revealing a need for greater purpose and direction. In fact, your unfulfillment could point you to your purpose. So question number two, where's my discontent? Question number three, am I surrendered? My friend, if you are not fully surrendered and submitted to the Lord, you will always be frustrated and confused. If there's even a small part of you that has to have it your way, you will miss God's given purpose for your life. 
It is only when we surrender our lives to Jesus and allow the Holy Spirit to have his way will we truly fulfill our calling in Christ. Take it from a former control freak. Don't even bother looking into any other factors until you have this one down. I've been there. I would take a snippet of what I believed God was calling me to do, and I would say, thanks, God, and I'd run with it, leaving him behind. This is not the way to fulfill your calling. Instead, we are to be like Jesus in John 5, 19, where he reminds us that he can do nothing unless it is something he sees his father doing. My friend, if Jesus needed to be surrendered and submitted at all times, what makes us think that we, as the branches, can disconnect from the vine when it's not going our way? Question number three, am I surrendered? Question number four, what are my spiritual gifts? You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Each thing about you is unique your personality, your experiences, and your spiritual gifts. And they have all been specifically crafted by God himself to serve his purpose in your life. To discover what God wants you to do with your life, it would help you to discover you first. Take a temperament test. Take a spiritual gifts test. Then go put them to work for the good of others and the glory of God. Question number four. What are my spiritual gifts? And question number five, where's the proof? If there is a true purpose and gift, others will see it. They'll acknowledge it and they're going to want to use it. Look, you could have a passion for singing, a discontent for the lack of good music, and a personality for the stage, but if the people listening to you need earplugs, my friend, that is not your purpose. The proof is found in two things. One, others recognize it. And two, the world needs it. You could have a hobby that brings you tremendous joy, but doesn't benefit others. You could have a job that you're paid well in, but you don't enjoy it very much. For this to be a passionate purpose, you need both. Your calling is found at the intersection of desire and demand. It's where you are spiritually fruitful. And I want to encourage you to get confirmation, but don't miss your calling because you're now waiting for others to approve of it. And if you have heard from God, move. Abraham didn't check with 10 people when God told him to pick up and move his family. He just moved. We look for confirmation when the calling isn't clear, but when you have heard from God clearly, don't delay. And just as an aside, the more clearly you hear from God, the more likely the struggle the calling will be. I've seen this time and time again. It's as though God needs to leave us no doubt in our minds that we are going in the right direction because the going is going to get tough. And if we didn't clearly hear from him, we would definitely second guess ourselves. At least I know I would. Just some food for thought. My friend, I pray that you would embrace the journey of discovery as you set out to find what God wants you to do with your life. Proverbs 25.2 says it is the glory of God to conceal a matter. It is the glory of kings to search it out. My friend, you are a king. Don't be like Peter, concerned with another's purpose. Pursue your purpose with your whole heart. 
If you are truly wondering what God wants you to do with your life, I want to invite you to join us for our free five-day Created with Purpose devotional. I will go ahead and include a link in the description section as well as on the website. Well, my friend, that's all the time that we have for today. Until next time, remember, all things are possible with God. For more information from Chris Reese, visit chrisreese.com forward slash podcast. That's K-R-I-S-R-E-E-C-E dot com forward slash podcast.